0: Hello and welcome to the Bible Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Kelly, and I'm here to help you understand what you just read in the Bible. Hello, everyone. I am so glad you're on this journey with me. If you are new, welcome. If you have any questions on how the podcast is laid out, you can listen to my introduction episode. And everyone is welcome to go to my website, bmepodcast.com to drop me a note, ask any question, or just get up to date on the podcast with the resources I have there, including links to all of my pop culture references. Hello, welcome to week 37, Ezekiel chapter 42 through 48, Joel's chapter one through three, Daniel chapter one through nine. Timeline is 573, five, 5- to 539 BC approximately. We'll start off with Ezekiel 42. Uh, We will start where we stopped off last week, and that is the rebuilding of the temple. In chapter 43, we see God restores himself to the temple. And based upon what he says to Ezekiel, many scholars believe that this temple that God has described to the prophet is not for the temple that will be rebuilt this next time in Nehemiah and Ezra, but the one at the end of time as well as through chapter 45, where we see Israel fully restored, which for those wondering, after Israel was taken out by the Romans in 70 AD, Israel was not a full-fledged country again until 1949. Chapters 46 through 48 of Ezekiel, we also get to see the entire restoration of Israel and what is to be planned. For example, the final words in Ezekiel are the name of the city, the Lord is there. And thus we end the book of Ezekiel and we jump into the book of Joel, which starts off with major, with a plague of locusts, which you can Google what that looks like, and I just have to say my thoughts and prayers to those who have to endure that kind of horror. And in Joel 1, it wasn't just one wave of this, but three, until literally nothing was left. And God tells us not only has Israel physically been eaten, but it has in every other way too, and it is time to mourn. Put on sackcloth and grieve for what was and how you caused it. Grieve the fact that you sent. In chapter 2, we see how the locusts are discussed as the most brutal and armed of soldiers and how they devour the land and the people and what they lay waste to is also a terror and a horror to others that look upon it, which is true. Seriously, go watch a YouTube video and be horrified. There is your warning and... However, as Israel mourns and comes back to God, we see God take pity on his people and he tells them, I will restore what has been devoured from the tip of Israel's head to the tip of Israel's toe paraphrasing, of course. But God speaks not only of when he will restore Judah back after they have been in Babylon, but the full restoration at the end, the day of the Lord. And he will pour his spirit on all his people. That means us too, Gentiles. And if you didn't know, if you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile. Finally, in chapter three, we see that God will restore Israel once again to its glory. But this is referring to the end of times. As And so as we end here as well, the final words of Joel are the Lord dwells in Zion. Then we get into the book of Daniel, which this is my mother's favorite book in the Bible. And I, of course, love it. And we have so much to discuss. So settle in because we're going to be here for a little bit. So chapter one, we have all right about how uh, Judah was after the Babylonians had raided and took most of the Jews back with them. And that is where we meet Daniel. Three years after it happened, we see that Nebuchadnezzar asked to see the royalty and the noble, young men without physical defect, handsome and smart, and were willing to learn more. So what do we learn of Daniel? He came from money. He is good looking and he's smart and he's willing to learn more. Like the total package. And he becomes at least bilingual if he wasn't already because he learns not only the Babylonian language, but their literature and customs. We also get to meet Daniel's friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. However, all four will get new names, like Daniel's is Belteshazzar. But I think we remember his friends' new names better because they're just fun to rhyme and say. So say it with me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And meanwhile, Daniel's like, yeah, I'll do everything you want me to, but if it requires me defiling myself against the Lord absolutely not. And that included the food. Thankfully, God had their boss show favor to them, but at the same time wasn't wanting to lose his job. Remember, a loss of job with the king wasn't just income, but your life and your family's life as well. Daniel totally gets that and says, just give me and my friends vegetable and water. If we look worse, do what you need to do. Manager was cool with that unfortunately, Daniel and his friends looked way better than the other guys, which we knew was going to happen because, of course, the truth is vegetables and water are better for you than candy and soda. Not saying I like that, and I personally would be giving Daniel the stink eye if I was enjoying the food, but I digress. Also, we can see why Daniel was such an upstanding figure. They took a, It took a lot of guts to be in enemy territory, stand up for what is right, and have the side eye of your fellow countrymen when they find out what their new diet is. I'd like to say I'd be Daniel, and maybe now I would be, but when I was a teenager, absolutely not. Now, because all four men did this, God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Kelly's side note. This may be glossed over or used as foreshadowing for later, but this was a huge favor that God gave Daniel, because dream interpretation was huge for the Babylonians. Like, if you could do it, you were The man. It was an incredibly big deal to them. I cannot stress this enough. Meanwhile, once presented to him, Nebuchadnezzar was impressed and found them smarter than his magicians and enchanters. So take that, bureaucrats. And we know that Daniel stayed in Babylon until King Cyrus, which means he will be there his whole life. In chapter two, it is the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, and he has a dream which was so troubling, it kept him up. And I've only had a handful of those, but probably not even to the significance of his. Literally not to the significance of his. So the king makes this everyone in the kingdom's problem. And he makes it even bigger deal because now he wants them to tell him not only what the dream means, but what the dream was. And if they don't do that, they and their families will die. Talk about unrealistic expectations of the job. <laughs> and in the best professional talk possible, that is what they told him, which really made Nebuchadnezzar mad and so set out to have them all killed. As the commander goes to do this, Daniel stops him and, as the Bible says, with wisdom and tact. Asks him what's going on. The man explains. Daniel turns and finds the king to ask for time. Tells his friends to pray so that all of these people will not die. And God will give Daniel favor and tell him the meaning. And God does. So Daniel does what everyone should be doing at a time like this and praises God for his favor. And once Daniel is in front of the king, Nebuchadnezzar is like, can you interpret my dream? Daniel's like, no, no one here can, but God in heaven can, and he has revealed your dream to me. And so Daniel starts to interpret, telling the king that his dream is of things to come. The statue that the king dreamt, the head was made of gold and it is because there will never be a kingdom like Babylon, specifically the one under Nebuchadnezzar's reign. To the point, God gives him rule over mankind, beasts of the field, and birds of the sky. They will all be ruled by Nebuchadnezzar. Then, the silver chest and arms is the next kingdom, which will be inferior. Most believe this to be the Medes and Persians. The third kingdom, made of bronze for the stomach and thighs, will be the Greek Empire. And then the legs, made of iron, will be the fourth kingdom. The Roman Empire. The final feet and toes made of iron and clay will be a mixture of kingdoms, which most people believe the kingdoms in Europe and then America, etc. Daniel tells him that the rock that strikes the statue and, destroy it, and destroys it is God who destroys all those kingdoms and sets up his kingdom that will endure forever. For the record, most Christian scholars and theologians believe we are in the time of the toes. King Nebuchadnezzar, overwhelmed by all of this, falls prostrate to Daniel which means he falls to the floor and is bowing all the way down face to the floor to express how great Daniel's God is and truly is the God of gods. And then he gives Daniel a place of great power, which Daniel doesn't forget his buddies and has the king appoint them as administrators over the prophet. And then chapter three comes and oh my, (laughs) how quickly we forget. (laughs) King Nebuchadnezzar makes an image out of gold, 60 by six cubits, approximately 90 feet by nine feet, and requires all the magicians bureaucrats anyone with any position in the kingdom to come and dedicate and fall down and worship the statue so the music plays and everyone falls down to worship except you guessed it daniel's three friends no one is very sure where daniel is at this time but he wasn't there to be forced in participation and of course there are tattletales and tell the king that these three guys are not bowing jealous hacks But it did anger the king, and to such a degree that he summoned them to ask why. He's like, you will do this, and if not, I'll throw you into this horrific furnace, and then what God can save you. Meanwhile, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, we do not have to defend ourselves to you in this matter. And if you throw us in there, you throw us in there. You know, we know that God will deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we are not about to worship your gods in the image you set up. All sassy emphasis is technically mine. Which, of course, infuriated Nebuchadnezzar even further, which it would for me too if I were him. But it caused him to make the fire hotter in the furnace, seven times hotter, and it killed men while they were taking the three of them up there. And the three guys were tied together. It's time like these, I probably would have been thankful to be a peasant. I don't know why. I... Anyway, my favorite part is when someone tells the king to look in the furnace, and not only are the men not burning, but there is a fourth man with them. Most believe that this man is Christ which caused Nebuchadnezzar to have them taken out after calling them servants of the Most High God. So they did, and they were not harmed or scorched or had any smoke on them whatsoever. Didn't even smell like smoke. Well, that brought ne- Nebuchadnezzar back to who the real God is and declared from then that everyone had to praise their God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Amendigo the God. And anyone who said anything against God would be cut into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. And then he promoted a In chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. So this dream really upset the king. (laughs) So he went to Daniel. And Daniel went away and was like, yikes. And Nebuchadnezzar was like, don't let it trouble you that much. Daniel's like, yeah. You see, if it were about your enemies, great. But uh, this dream is about you, sir, and what is going to happen to you. You will be driven away from the people, and you will live and eat like an ox. For seven years you'll be doing this, sir. Good news is, though, that after that time, your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge who God is. So please renounce your sin and do what is right. But of course, we forget, and so did King Nebuchadnezzar again. And as he was walking in his beautiful palace, which this is another thing I hope we get to see what it looked like from heaven, because I bet it was beautiful, a creation of architecture as we could ever get on this earth. And he was admiring it all and gave himself all the credit for all that he had done. And boom! Just like that, the dream was fulfilled. And we get to hear from Nebuchadnezzar during this time, and he talks about what he went through, but that as soon as, even in his insanity, he acknowledged God, his sanity was restored, everything was returned to him, and he did praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. So there's that. Chapter 5, we have jumped forward in time, and now we meet King Belshazzar, and as we quickly read in the first two sentences, he did not learn from his grandfather's mistake and proclamations that God is the most holy and on high. So, he orders that the, the goblets that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem to be brought to his celebration and drank from. And not only drink from them, but praise other gods while they did so. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can already tell this ain't going to go well. And just like that, sure enough, uh, fingers of a human hand appear. I, of course, imagine thing from the Adam's family, but imagine however you will. And the only one who can see this is King Belshazzar, who freaks out, calls everyone in his court to come and look and to read what it says which they cannot. Thankfully, the queen, who was no dummy, says, calm yourself. There is someone in your kingdom that can help. King Nebuchadnezzar used him and gave him great honor because of his wisdom. So that is what Belshazzar does. And when Daniel gets there, Belshazzar love bombs him and tells him, if you can read this, I'll give you so much money, land, blah, 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 blah. Daniel's like, save it. Give it to someone else, but I will tell you what this writing means. But first, he gives a history lesson on King Nebuchadnezzar and reminds Belshazzar that he knew all about him and what he did for the Lord, but decided to go in the opposite way. And not only did you go in the opposite way, Belshazzar, but you used the very things of the Most High God to praise your ways. Therefore, the inscription says, Mena, Mena, Tekel, usfarin, Mene, meaning God has numbered your days and your reign is about to end. Takel, you have been weighed and found wanting. You farsen, your kingdom is divided and will be given to the Medes and Persians. And even though Daniel was like, please don't give me the stuff, Belshazzar does. And that night, the king dies, and Darren the Mede takes over the kingdom. In chapter six, makes me think of Edgy Tales. <laughs> so here we go. So now Daniel is subject to Darius, the new boss, who clearly does not care about the old bosses and their ways. But of course, Daniel was made an administrator and did such a great job that it pleased the king. And ticked off all of Daniel's co-workers. In fact, they tried to find a way to get him fired, but they couldn't because he was seriously that good. So they realized the only thing they could get on him was his faith. And if they attacked that, they could get to Daniel. So... That's what they did. And of course, when they went to the king, they made it sound good and really just looking out for the king. And they had it decreed so it couldn't be changed, as was the Medes and Persian laws. They had it decreed that anyone who prayed to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to King Darius, would be thrown into the lion's den. Daniel read it and did what he always did. He went to his upstairs room, opened the window facing Jerusalem, got on his knees and prayed to God, giving thanks. Of course, those same co-workers were in the right spot to see and hear that Daniel was praying and asking for help and did not hesitate to call Daniel out on it. Then they went to King Darius to make sure the law still stood. He said it did. And they're like, great. Uh, so Daniel paid absolutely no attention to it and still prays three times a day. Just so you know. Darius was like, What? you know, he just merely tolerated these people. And you know this because he then tried his hardest to see if there's any way he could possibly save Daniel. Unfortunately, there wasn't. So Darius had to have Daniel thrown into the lion's den. And as he did, he called to Daniel and it's like, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Then it was literally sealed with the king's ring and Daniel was left in the den. Meanwhile, the king was so distraught, he didn't eat, drink, be entertained, or even sleep. Now that's some mad respect. Then at first light, Darius runs to where Daniel had been and calls out asking if God was able to save Daniel. Daniel answers, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me. And by the way, it was because I was innocent in his sight and have never done anything to you or anyone. Oh yeah, that was for the co-workers who were probably listening. Darius was like, absolutely. Then had Daniel taken out of the lion's den, and those that falsely accused Daniel by the king's demand were thrown into that same den along with their wives and children. Yikes. And they were all killed and eaten. There might be a slight smug smile on my face. Not that I want people killed by any means or in this manner. It's just nice to see sometimes that horrible co-workers get theirs. Then Darius decrees that every part of his kingdom and people must fear and give reverence to the God of Daniel. And Daniel prospered under Darius' reign until King Cyrus. Uh, Chapter 7, quick note, chapters 1 through 6 are of Daniel's life. Chapters 7 through 12 are all the visions Daniel had. I did research for this, and I, of course, sought help from pastors and scholars that I have vetted and trust with biblical accuracy. But, of course, any errors are always on my part, not theirs. So we go back to see what Daniel was doing when Belshazzar was newly king and it turns out he was having visions of his own. He goes on to describe how he saw four winds of heaven stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea. First, the great sea would most likely be the Mediterranean Sea. The second, the stirring up was the idea of chaos. The Hebrews believed that the sea was both dangerous and mysterious. Third, the four winds could be described as the sovereign power of God striving with men or, as others suggest, satanic forces. And fourth, the great beasts a, was like a lion, but with the wings, where the wings were plucked off. B, is like a bear. Bears are slower, but stronger and more crushing than a lion, and apparently this one very much wanted to conquer. C, like a leopard, which is known for their sudden and unexpected attacks, and with four heads, making them very clever. And D, had no likeness, just dreadful and terrible, which may be the scariest, as it did have ten horns, and then one of the nasty little horns made his way into dominance and started talking crap. Disgusting and evil, but crap nonetheless. Then we see the Ancient of Days, and if you couldn't tell by the description and capital letters used, this is God Himself. Most believe it is the description of God the Father, as we will see when we get to Revelation, as much of what John saw is what Daniel had seen. Then we watch with Daniel as the beast, where the horns were talking smack, was slain, its body destroyed, and given to the burning flame. Most believe this is where the dominion of man is given to the divine dominion, and the Son of Man, Jesus, will succeed the fourth beast. Most believe that that nasty little horn that was talking is the Antichrist. Then we see Daniel was really troubled by what he saw, which, I mean, who could blame them? I would be. And he was given the interpretation of that dream. The four beasts are four kings. The lion with wings would be Babylon, which you can actually still see artifacts from them. And they have lions with wings all throughout the bear would be the Medo-Persian Empire. They would overwhelm their opponents and of course came and took over Babylon. The leopard is Alexander the Great's Greek Empire and after his death his kingdom was broken up into four parts. Walla the four heads and the druffled horned beast was the Roman Empire and most believe the ten horns are those kingdoms governments that came out of the Roman Empire with the final nasty one who will be the Antichrist who brings those nations back together. Uh, In chapter 8, all I can say is poor Daniel, (laughs) not only has he seen all of this, but now he has another vision, and on top of it, the angel Gabriel is sent to tell him the interpretation. So this vision is showing the end times once again, and again, it is about the kingdom to come, the Mede, Persia, Greek, and the four that will take over once Alexander dies. However, the final king that he sees is the Antichrist who will have power given to him, from Satan, and he will destroy the mighty, the holy people, all of us who believe in Christ, and he will be destroyed, but not by humans, but of course by God. Daniel was like, (laughs) I need to take a nap. Proof once again, when it is overwhelming and not can cure much. In chapter nine, we see it is the time of Darius and that it has been 70 years since Judah was taken captive into. Babylon. And since Daniel has read the words of Jeremiah, he knew that it was now time to put on sackcloth and ashes and pray to God for forgiveness to return back to Jerusalem. After Daniel finishes praying a beautiful prayer of praise to God and the forgiveness that the Jewish people owe to God for their transgressions, we then get into 70 weeks. This one passage can be expanded on for several lessons, but I will sum it up here. The 70 weeks are divided into three parts, seven weeks, 49 years, until the city and its walls are rebuilt. We'll read about that in Ezra, Nehemiah. From that time, 69 weeks, which is 7 plus 62, or 483 years, the Messiah will appear, which he does, and the final 70th week will complete prophecy which we will read even more of in the next episode and again in the end when we get to the book of revelation so this is where we end today if you have any reactions thoughts questions or words you need to throw my way please do so at my website bmepodcast.com have a most fabulous week and i'll talk to you in the next episode